I think as somebody in the community, I think a lot of us feel this tension that there's an us against them between the AG, between the local police, the state police. It just seems like there's always an us against them when it should just be us. Welcome back, I'm Erin. This episode is a continuation of a Q&A session with retired investigator Guy Parody. I just want to say thanks again to Guy for taking the time to answer our questions. And thanks again to Sarah for coordinating everything. As always, feel free to get in touch with any follow-up questions or comments. And here is part two of the Q&A. Why do people feel the need to make fake leads in a 10-year-old case? I guess this calls for some speculation, too. Well, because they're morons. Um, (laughs) It could be sociopath. It could be psychopaths. I mean, they want to get their name in print. Mm -hmm. They got to think of something and say, oh, wow, uh, I I heard this or I heard that. Um, And that's why when I was reading something, I'm like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) I mean, come on here. Um, they don't have any knowledge of investigations. They don't know how investigations work. I mean, a lot of people don't know how cops work. Mm-hmm. They certainly don't know how homicide cases come together. Um, I think it's combinations of those kinds of stuff. They're lonely sitting on their beanbag chair doing nothing. Is that Ron White said, I'm sitting in my beanbag chair naked eating Cheetos and something. <laughs> um there's a lot of different reasons. You know, they're looking for that moment of glory where they propose something to your group or have an idea or here's a lead that I heard of. You know, it gives them their kind of a moment in fame. Yeah. Most cops hate it. I hate the media. I hate having my name in print mm. or a picture or, you know, you're at a crime scene and, you know, doing this. Some photographer takes a photo. I was on a SWAT mission once. And this photographer from AP with, you know, lens that long, I'm curled up on a knoll in the bushes with my sniper rifle. This guy takes a picture of me and puts it in the paper. I'm like, how the hell did you even see me? I don't know how he saw me. I really don't. Whatever. But how many people still confessed to Lincoln or Kennedy assassination? Right. You know, they're wackos. Yeah. I'm almost surprised there hasn't been a false confession. Yeah, I am too. I think... The nature of the case, you know, if anybody did, obviously everybody would be all over them. Yeah. But, you know, there's still that little bit of unknown. You know, where the hell is she? Mm-hmm. Well, we kind of think we know where she is. That doesn't mean she's there by any means. She could be in Pennsylvania for all I know. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, but I, I kind of think she's there, but maybe not. You know, you're going to look at the evidence and make an evaluation of what you have and... That's our best evaluation based upon what we knew 14 years ago. Speaking of that 
exact point where she might be. I don't know if you've heard of um, the comment that James Conrad made on Facebook two years ago. James Conrad was a detective in the, I think, what is it, the Massive Crimes or... I, I don't know him. I, I want to say if the name like kicks into my head, but... Okay. Um, no. But he did have some involvement with her case and he went on the family's Facebook page uh, and wrote that the police knew where she was and that she was buried under Forsyth's new house. He sort of, I don't know, won't say walked it back, but like gone sort of totally silent after that. Do you think that there's any specific knowledge that they have? Probably. It could be from talking to somebody either we didn't talk to. Um, you know, you develop sources of information. You don't survive as a cop without confidential sources of information. Right. Especially working drugs. That's how you get everything. You arrest somebody, you're going to become CI, you're going to prison. And it's the same way in really every kind of case. You've got to latch on to that one person who you've got some pressure you can put on them. They've done a crime. They're in trouble. Tell me what you know. Or you're going to jail. I don't, I don't care because I'm going home to my wife tonight. But you do tell me now or I'm putting you in jail before I go home. So that'll flip a lot of people. Even for uh, in Vermont, it's amazing how many um, fish and wildlife violations people commit. You know, fishing without a license or hunting without a license or shoot a deer out of season. That flip over all kinds of information you can't possibly think they would know, let alone they're telling you to keep their hunting license. So you get people in a squeeze like that, it's done. And he would have the ability to do that, to arrest somebody and say, what's going on? Yeah, I just, it struck me as a very, um, like, there's one thing to think that she might be in the five mile radius, but it was just a yeah. very specific, specific location. Yeah. The fact that it's so specific and he's saying it, he, he got that <laughs> from a good source. Or he would have never said it on Facebook. Yeah, he did delete it after, but I think that's just because he well, realized. Well, realized. Uh oh, I'm a cop and I'm saying this on Facebook that that's right. where she is. Can I ask, um, what about sort of the broader question how likely it might be for someone who was involved or tangentially involved trying to sort of throw things off or um, find out information, like inject themselves in some way? to either manipulate the investigation or to figure out what people know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, possible. It doesn't happen a lot unless it's usually the killer who might be doing something to stage the crime scene. Boy, I'm going to have to think hard. I can't think of any cases off the top of my head where somebody who's been involved has deliberately gone out of their way to keep the police away or to, you know, put out false information. It does happen. It's normally with serial killers mm-hmm. because, um, you know, they're playing all these kind of get head games with themselves and with everybody else anyhow. I'd have to think hard. Well, actually, my serial killer homicide that I worked as a fed, the guy was uh, killing little girls, like nine, and... He was also taking uh, dolls and filling them with fish guts and hanging them in places or dumping them in places. And uh, he'd call up and say, you're going to find another body in whatever this area. So we were going out there and, you know, you do a crime scene for about three hours before you even touch the body. And we would find out that it's a doll filled with fish guts. So... But that's the only time that I can think of I've ever personally been involved in anything like that. 
Has there been any discussion about Rick Forcier fitting the Connecticut River Valley killer? No. Has there been discussion? Absolutely. Okay. But the homicides are so old and, and, right. and uh, you know, some of the, the way things had happened, mm-hmm. um, you know, he never made our list again in terms of talking about those cases. Okay. Um, the only other case that every, we talked a little bit about was Brianna Maitland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's, I've never worked on it. I know a lot about it because I've researched it. I've talked to the cops about it, the guys about it. Word is from people in the know that she was killed by two or three drug dealers from out of state. Um, is that true? No clue. But I don't think Forcey had anything to do with that. It's out high, outside his range, really, of uh, yeah. comfort. Yeah. So. Uh, was Claude in town the night of 2 9 2004? And I think he's referring to Claude Moulton. I'm going to. Yeah, I don't know. Did you or your team investigate the people that hung out with Rick Forcier and was Claude Moulton one of his friends? I don't remember. I didn't personally. Um, Frank did a lot of interviews. A couple other guys did a lot of the interview work. So I don't know. Do you think it's possible she could have picked up a hitchhiker who maybe tried to rob her or did rob her and things went bad? I heard there's high drug usage up there. There's a lot of high drug usage around, but I don't think she would have done anything like that. I don't think she would have stopped for anybody. Clearly not that kind of character. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no real evidence of anybody else. The people across the street saw one person with their cell phone trying Mm -hmm. to. So I don't think so. It was not in her character. Um, a few questions regarding the 911 calls. Do you think or know if Faith Westman saw something while she was on the phone with 911 that hasn't been disclosed? I don't think so because she was, you know, she's been pretty forthcoming. You know, they didn't see a whole lot in a short period of time. So mm-hmm. I think she's told everything she can tell. It's been discussed that perhaps there was another call to 911 from Faith longer in length than the one in the transcripts that were released. Do you know anything about this? Don't. Never heard of it either. Okay. Uh, What do you make of her decision of the man smoking a cigarette, which she later retracted? Her description, I'm sorry. Well, I think more More does not smoke. And I don't think there's any question she was smoking that night. It appeared, what we all think is that she was trying to on her cell phone and that uh, the Westman saw the cell phone light and thought Mm -hmm. it might have been a cigarette. There was none found in the area around her in her car, at least what we've been, been told. told. Yeah. Why do you think Barbara Atwood's 911 call has not been disclosed? Well, there's probably something in there that people don't want, you know, the police don't want anybody to know about. Mm-hmm. She may have used her husband's name as a witness or something, saying something that um, doesn't want to get disclosed, doesn't want to be disclosed. Okay. Um, do you or your group have any reason to believe that Officer Bruce McKay was involved in the disappearance in any way? No. Is it? That wasn't my question. <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, is it because it was just never looked at or because? I think we looked at, I mean, we looked at everybody. You know, it didn't really matter who you were. I mean, you look at the neighbors, you look at everybody. And then you start, you know, then you begin your analysis of what makes sense what fits the evidence that we have 
and you come up with a list. You know, you come up with some charts. Well, we're going to rule this person out because that person because, and you start building toward the top person. You know, there were other people we looked at. You know, there were other people we kind of thought about, and it all came back to Forcier, in our opinion. Was McKay on the list? Um, I'd rather not say. Okay. Let's just say they, we looked at a lot of different people, including police officers. Um, is there a suspect, in your opinion, who has not already been openly talked about? There were. I mean, you know, you get a lot. And when you're doing one of these, you get a lot of names. You know, there were some people in the area who were um, allegedly cooking meth, you know, who were drug dealers, who were bad guys. We looked into, you know, other people and either tried to put them on higher up on the list maybe or mm -hmm. say nah not in the guy's character he had an alibi and we didn't talk to any of them i mean we were not going to talk directly to anybody because i think that would have screwed up any connection we had with the ag's office so you do enough background you talk to people close to him and i feel pretty comfortable that the people that we talked to and all everybody talked to somebody um we ruled it out you know it came down to force here Motive, opportunity, forensic evidence with the dog hits. Um, I always felt it was enough to do a search warrant because I mean, I've done hundreds of search warrants. So if I'm working drugs, you know, the first thing we do, we get the warrant or don't get the warrant and the dog alerts on something, we go get a search warrant. Mm -hmm. It's that easy. A dog's the probable cause. With the dog alerting on his trailer um, and, you know, those other areas that were right around where it happened, I think that was enough to get a search warrant. I think the trailer alone was enough to get a search warrant because you've alerted on human remains on a suspect who's lying, not telling the truth. He's got motive. He's got opportunity. He admits to having sex with this girl. And that clearly never happened. Go get a warrant. It would have been very easy, in my opinion. <laughs> would they be able to take the results of your cadaver hit as, as evidence? In other words, would they be able to sort of take you at your word or in an affidavit that this is what happened or yeah. they have to go out and like do it themselves? I would do it themselves mm -hmm. and I would take an affidavit from us, especially the dog handler, because she's going to say, my dog is trained for human remains, the dog alerted, and uh, that's yeah. enough. I wonder if that, um, even doing that though, was like an illegal search of some kind. For us, abandoned property. Oh. We don't need anybody's permission. Yeah, it should be open. Yeah. Again, I don't know. I, I was told, or we were all told, that state police dogs went and checked out the trailer, which would have been smart to do anyhow, because mm -hmm. it's, if it's abandoned, if he sold it or something, you get permission from the new owner. If it's abandoned, whatever. Yes, the only question, or like my only legal caveat there would be, if it's abandoned, how do you know that it belonged to him? Right, so like that he was the one to put a body in there, if it's been there for however many days yeah. or weeks. Yeah. So maybe it was a sort of legal technicality. I don't think it would have been. I don't think so either. It's too strong of evidence, but... Again, it's if to identify if it's his, take a picture, show it to Atwood, show it to the other people that down mm -hmm. the road who yeah. saw her. You recognize this as uh, Richard Forcier's uh, trailer? Yeah. yeah, that's his trailer. Mm -hmm. You don't need a heck of a lot to get a search warrant. Right. Was a warrant ever sought? Or don't know. It was just... I don't believe so, because if a warrant was sought based upon 
the information from the cadaver dogs and, mm-hmm. and everything that we did and everything. And they obviously did stuff at some point in time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can testify and, and part of the affidavit would be, well, I was tracking with the dog and it ended up here. Okay. Then the guy gets rid of his trailer and he's building a new house and uh, bang, zoom. That's more than you need to get a search warrant. I got a search warrant because somebody called me. I have no idea who they were. Said, is selling drugs at the high school. He's got a car there. He sells drugs out of his car. I'm like, okay. So I got nothing. To, you know, whatever. I was bored or something. I, was, I went and got a, I got a search warrant for that. I don't know the guy. I've got no evidence against Um, Didn't do any surveillance. We didn't try doing any buys. I said, hey, you know, then it's kind of a bet. Think one of the judges will give me a warrant? No. Okay. Now, yeah, now got it. <laughs> For his house. <laughs> so more than likely, it was never sought. No. I think if they had sought it, they would Which, have found it. And if they had found, you know, if they had found what they should have found or could have found, uh, if it's crushed, it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. That doesn't mean you can't find it and crumble the thing or uncrumble it, whatever, and search it. This yeah. is a homicide. This is not, you know, a shoplifting. You do everything, everything you can think of. Do you know where the trailer is now? I don't. But, um, and again, they would kind of filter some stuff to us. Um, like, did you go out and search, you know, the first hole we found and, um, you know, the trailer. And when we started talking to the one guy and we told him we're in 100 percent agreement and you know he didn't say anything more than you know we're on the same page here okay i figured you'd get arrested i i, I always have i said something's going to happen and um you know it sucks fred and his family i, I could not you yeah know, he was I, a I, nice guy i like talking to him I think sister, I think, was there. I probably talked to all. We all probably talked to all of them. I said, look, we're really sorry. We'll do everything we can. But Haverhill didn't want nothing to do with us. AG, one way only. Was there ever a grand jury convened, to your knowledge? And number two, was the subject of the grand jury Rick Forcier? We talked about it. I know there was a, There was no grand jury There convened. was no grand jury because I believe we probably would have testified. Again, either us, but more likely the cadaver dog people, mm-hmm. because they're the ones that are actually finding this evidence. Right. And can talk about how, you know, everything from the training to what, where they found it. Can an officer take the information that they have about the results of a dog search, though, and use that, like the, the officer testifies to the grand jury and the dog handler doesn't necessarily have to even know about it? Could that be. Possible? That's possible. You know, if the grand jury is willing to accept, you know, that would... I don't know if it would be hearsay almost, but that does... Hearsay is okay, though, in grand juries. Yeah. So, yeah, he probably could just testify, you know? Um, uh, yeah, depends. You could... A prosecutor can lead a grand jury anywhere as they want. There's no defense attorney. There's no defendant witnesses. It's how you want to put and what you want to put in front of the grand jury. That's it. I think if they were to do that today, I think there would be good results from it. Um, we kind of touched on this, I guess. So do you believe law enforcement is hiding something to do with Mara? With her personally? 
No. I don't know if this is meant as her personally or... I think they're hiding something. Mm. You know, we've speculated, is it between the chief and Forcier? Um, is it that they're afraid of Forcier? You know, he's not a nice guy. I think part of it was Forcier's relationship to them. Uh-huh. Um, I think we all believe that. I mean, John Healy is from the area. And again, he goes to try to talk to the chief, and the chief's like, nope. Well, come on. We're here. We're free help. Right. You know, the average guy here's probably got 30 years on. Nope. Do you think that that was a, a personal decision on, like, the chief's part? Or do you think it was, like, a gag order? He didn't have any gag order. Okay. There were no gag orders in the case? Not that we're aware of. The only gag order came from the AG's office. Um, Haverhill PD, they may have had an internal gag order. Um, they never told us that. There wasn't anything that we found of any circumstances of that happening. Um, the chief just says, I'm not talking to you guys. Can I ask, did you toss around the idea that there could be some police involvement? Oh, yeah. Right from the very beginning. A lot of it had to do with no cooperation. You know, somebody like John Healy is a very well-respected trooper. Walking and trying to talk to a chief, and he says, get out. Um, once we started making the connection between Forcier and the police, then we're like, okay, we're not getting anything from any of these guys. So we'll never talk to them again. Um, we were less hesitant maybe about, you know, Moynihan or any other troopers or anything, but none of them were really saying anything. You know, none of them really did much. And then I responded to the scene and there was no follow-up. There was no checking anything out. And I'm absolutely sure that they thought, hey, some dumb college kid took off. She's drunk and, you know, she got out of her, she slid her car, did whatever they thought she did, and she's gone. And that was it. Because that was the time to pound on Atwood and Forcier. Atwood should have been taken in the back room and said, okay, here's the deal. You're going to talk to me or you're going to go to jail for obstruction of justice. You keep to lie detector tests, polygraph tests. Yeah. So I think they did pound him. Yeah. <laughs> Easy to pass polygraph, by the way. Mm. Yeah, just take some, like, what, beta blockers? Tacking your foot. The reason they're not admissible in evidence, and sometimes they are, but most of the time they're not, they're not reliable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, you know, you never know. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I probably would have arrested him for obstruction of justice, stuck his ass in jail. For what? Obstruction of justice. For what? Accident happened right here. You're giving me bullshit information. So this is how we're going to play. You know, is that an abuse of power? No. Because I think obstruction of justice is a thing that many cops don't use enough of. Mm. People tell you, I saw this happen, but I'm not going to talk to you. Why are you not going to talk to me? Well, I hate fucking cops. Okay, turn around, put your hands behind your back. Without hesitation. And... Forcier may be even the same thing. Because Forcier told different stories. Yeah. So you're lying to a police officer, false information to a police officer. Okay. Structure justice, false information. Take a written statement from him, have him swear to it. Now you got false swearing, false statement. So that's four felonies that you could have charged him with. So that's how we're going to play. Going to let us search your property. Mm-hmm. You're going to let us do this or that. We'll get a search warrant. But there's ways to play and be ethical. I think the whole thing with people like me and I know John, you have to be ethical about what you do. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you can't push it to the edge. That doesn't mean you can't be creative. Mm-hmm. 
doesn't mean you can't lie. I'm not under oath. I can lie all I want mm-hmm. to go under oath. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I just saw, we just all saw a very bad police investigation or lack of one, I guess. Do you believe Cecil was in the 001 SUV and 002 sedan was nowhere near the scene that night? That's a tough one because <laughs> the witnesses are not real great mm-hmm. and they're clearly not that great. Um, I got to believe he was in the area. If he was or wasn't, people are just not being truthful about mm-hmm. it. So it makes you suspicious. Is this coming down from the chief? Is it yeah. coming down from somebody else? But there's no reason to lie about something like that unless it's bad. Whatever right. you're trying to hide or cover up is not good. So we never thought he had any personal involvement, mm-hmm. maybe after the fact, but um, I don't know. If Cecil was not driving 001, who do you believe was? And do they have anything to do with this case other than covering up bad police work? Boy, um, I don't know. I have to say up front, I don't know. I have no clue who was driving it if it wasn't him. Mm -hmm. Um, Are they part of the cover-up if they were driving it? Obviously, they could be. Mm -hmm. You know, because of lack, again, lack of cooperation from the police you know, all the things we've kind of talked about could very well be, but it's not something we spent a lot of time looking at. We tried to focus on really trying to find more. And then we kind of got, you know, then we, things just kind of get out of, get out of hand, but then we just realized we had to expand everything that we were doing and start doing interviews on our own stuff. And I guess if your thought is that Forcier was involved, who was driving the zero zero one probably, Ultimately, doesn't matter. Does It may not matter at all. Right, to her. Right. And or to Fred, unless they right. had some involvement. And we clearly, there's no evidence that we've ever talked to or found that links that incident, okay. whatever the incident was, to her. Why did they, Cecil and Monaghan, not search east that night? Do you have any idea? I, no, I could only speculate. You know, they just didn't. Yeah. Is it lazy? Is it bad police work? Yeah, mm-hmm. both of those. Any other reason? Cecil, maybe. Moynihan, I don't know anything about him. You know, I've read his statement and his, you know, and stuff, but get lazy. Again, you know, your first thought is when you have a missing person. If it's a young kid or it's a college kid, you know, your thought is, well, they're out drinking. They'll show up in a day or so can't do that but frequently departments say no they're not gone for a day or so we're not interested and if you find out it's a murderer somebody like Mora, then you're done i mean you've lost so much there was no door to door that night uh, other than um yeah the, people, the westman's west yeah i think that was it so do you think if there was if there had been a door to door in the immediate area right there well they certainly could have picked up more information Right. You know, you kind of go back five miles, maybe. Did she stop here? Did she stop there? You know, you start showing a photograph around. Anybody seen her? Did she mm-hmm. stop in your store here? I know there's a couple of stores or something that she had to pass. You know, how far back do you want to go? You know, and again, you still you go the opposite way. You go the direction that, well, we think she was going and hit some places there. Maybe at the same time of day, you set up uh, a roadblock there. 
how often do you come through this way? Did you come through around this time that, you know, on the 9th? Did you see anything? No. You might find somebody you did. That was never done. Do you think also, <clears throat> especially in, you know, New Hampshire, Vermont, that some of it is lack of experience because they're such small states and this isn't something they're dealing with maybe as often as they would be in a, a city? Yeah. I agree. That a lot of it is lack experience, lack of experience. You know, if you don't get a good investigation in the beginning, or people don't come in soon afterwards and start looking at stuff, it's going to go unsolved for a long time until they get a break. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this case, now they didn't do a bad job. They didn't do any follow up. They didn't care. It's a young college student. You know, she's got alcohol in her car, so she's got a drunk and she walks off and dies. Well, that clearly did not happen. Mm-hmm. So, I, it's fr- I'm telling you, it is frustrating. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little. I think I'm a little surprised. Uh, seems like they took a very cavalier attitude. There was never a reason. There was no. It was just. I mean, jo- it sounds a good guy. I mean, again, he's a good interview. He knows how to. Yeah. Talk to child molesters and not kill them, and talk to serial killers and not kill them. So you go up to somebody that's a cop like you are, and you say, hey, I'm working on this. Can I get some help? And they throw you out? Mm. No, come on. And again, that's not typical in your experience. Definitely not. I don't care what it is. I've interviewed cops for, you know, malfeasance or doing something wrong. And the last thing the department wants to do is block you. So it's really unusual that an agency would turn you down. So what do you think would be a reason that they would turn you down i mean what what are they well they're saying that you know it's their evidence you know it's all this confidentiality issues and then i would be if i found something that i'd have to testify or i came up with something different from them that i'd have to testify for them uh and right that's that's kind of my point like it's (laughs) it's not uh you against them no it's never been us against them that's the only reason we took the case on was it was an interesting case you know, we started making contact with a family. Then we, then John talked to the AG's office because, mm-hmm. you know, it's his place. It's his state. And um, we made, came up with the agreement. But then it came to the car. It was like, nope. Do you think it's possible that they interpreted it as an us against them? No. Now, maybe. At that point in time, no way. You know, Fred has said many times who's watching the watchmen or something yeah Yeah. who guards the guards guards? yeah yeah that's a very difficult thing to do because nobody wants to believe that the police are corrupt and and do bad things and they do they do all the time right people running away from them in the back the hell you know come on yeah but there isn't Uh, Much has been made of the timeline and whether Cecil was there at 746 or earlier. Your opinions and thoughts on that. Timelines are sometimes difficult at best Mm -hmm. because what people say they saw and the time they said they saw it can be off by a long time. And even sometimes 10 or 15 minutes makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. I don't think the timeline is going to be real helpful in finding her. It may be helpful in terms of who may have hid some evidence or, you know, stuff didn't do what they should have done or lied about where they were or something like that. Mm -hmm. But timelines are good if you can get really solid 
good times, obviously. We looked at the timeline only in terms of what people saw around that area. Yeah. Do you believe that the timeline is, does it really matter? And does it matter as far as what time Cecil arrived? Not really. You know, there's no evidence to suggest he's complicit in this. Mm-hmm. You know, again, being a member of that department after the fact, maybe. But in terms of killing more or anything like that, no, I don't think so. What is your timeline for events that night? Well, our timeline was essentially when she was seen by um, the Westons. Westons. And, um, you know, uh, Forcier's comments and... Uh, Really, just those incidences there. I mean, we knew what time she left school and stuff, but we didn't really focus on anything else. Did she stop here? She bought she bought some liquor or someplace. But right. other than the Westons, Atwood, and Forcier, we were not interested really in anything. Who cares what time the cops got there? You know, if they had some involvement, then the people across the street, Westons, would have seen them. Mm-hmm. So we were very focused on how long she was there, which was minutes just a few minutes and bang she's gone so how far could she have gotten right nowhere because there's nothing in the snow i mean uh, the dog did a good job led right to where you know things started falling into place as to who was involved so i think anything other than that was really of no interest to us at the time Mm -hmm. i mean we were very very focused on trying to find her so uh, where did the rumor of the law of law enforcement fighting over jurisdiction come from? Do you do you even know about? I have no clue. This? As far as we know, there was no jurisdictional arguments because it's the kind of case that goes right to the AG. Not that Haverhill police didn't get involved and they did some half-ass accident report or whatever, but there's really no jurisdictional arguments. I don't know of any. I, I've never heard of any. I think the the rumor. Um, you might remember this better than I do, was um, that there were two people, uh, Yeah. law enforcement overheard that night arguing over, over jurisdiction. jurisdiction. Yeah, it was one of the neighbors, I believe, that said that they heard what they believed to be officers arguing about jurisdiction in the area, and it would sort of make sense because it's so close to the, yeah. to the back line, but I think that it was the tow truck drivers, <laughs> it ended up being the <laughs> Cops fight about jurisdiction frequently because yeah. they don't want it. <laughs> they don't want to work on it. Yeah, that's, um, that's funny. Kick bodies in a different precinct. You know, you hear about <laughs> that kind of stuff. It happens. I mean, I you know, they got too many homicides in uh, you know our precinct today. So if you get another one, you got to kick them over into Brooklyn or Bronx or someplace because they do, and they do that. Is there a body of water? That would be first on your list to search again, or at all, and why? Well, I don't think there's any that we would search again okay. right now. I think if we rule out Forcier's old house, is it worth taking the cadaver dogs out there and doing another you know, two or three day venture? Um, yeah. Sure. So I think we could do that again, maybe find another piece of evidence. 14 years really means nothing, something like that. But right. the water, I would... I consider doing the water once we had done Forcier's house. Then I would say, okay, let's, you know, maybe we need to do that again. Is there a possibility she may never have left Massachusetts? Wow. Um, so somebody else driving her car and she left Massachusetts for whatever. 
Is it possible? Sure. Highly, yeah. highly unlikely. unlikely. Did you and or your team investigate Billy Roush to see if he had abused his military clout and or military re- resources like military flights or personnel for his alibi or issued orders to other military personnel to come to or within New Hampshire to harm Mora? No. I, I don't believe anybody did. Certainly nobody in our group did that I know of, and I would be surprised if they did. Okay. Do you think it's possible that Mora could be hiding in Oklahoma or Kansas or even possibly be buried there? And I I think this area came up because of Bill Roush. No. I don't think she's buried anyplace else. I don't know what connection anybody has between Oklahoma and Kansas right now. Um, there's certainly no connection with her. I think it came from Bill being stationed in Oklahoma, her, her boyfriend. boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, being stationed um, at Fort Sill at that yeah. time. but Well, he was there at, you know, at Fort Sill when it happened. Um, seems like a nice guy. I know that I didn't check him out. I don't think anybody in our group checked him out because we were told probably by Fred that he was at Fort Sill. And he may have, Fred may have been the one that told us that. But somehow we we knew that. Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. I don't think Bill had anything to do. With I don't that. either. No, I don't. Not know. at all. No. Um. After digging into Morris' case, did you find any red flags concerning her family, like holding back any information to your team? No, I don't. I would be very surprised if anybody's held anything back. I just don't think that's true. Do you believe Mora knew her abductor? If so, do you think they're near the family? No. Okay. Is there any misinformation out there that you would like to dispel? Probably well, certainly lot. how, the, yeah, a lot, probably <laughs> how the accident happened um, is clearly, you know, you keep hearing the tree in the snow. Absolutely no way. Um, I'd have to make a list. I guess I'd have to read through, you know, more of the questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the stuff that I read was like, you know, kind of off the wall, like the father killed her. Yeah. I mean, I did, you know, what, I don't know what planet you're on. Bill killed her. There's no way that happened. I mean, he's in another state. Um, again, I haven't looked at the oxygen stuff well. I will. I'm not going to read the book. Um, so I probably would go over that and maybe look at a few things. And, you know, I think the way this is going to work is – you know, trying to get us back involved. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to, um, I'm gonna. I know my son Ian will. Mm-hmm. And for you guys to push the things that you're doing. Do you believe that closure to this case is possible in the near future? Near future? <clears throat> I don't know about near future. I believe there is closure to this case. I think it has to be almost reinvestigated. Mm-hmm. I think all of the evidence, including your car, has to have a massive redone. Yeah. I think people have to be re-interviewed, even though it's been 14 years. I, mean, I interviewed people that were 25 years before. Mm-hmm. Some are dead. You're not going to get everybody. I think you have to take another very hard look at force here. I would have a hard look at the chief. Um, I would have a hard look at force here's ex-wife. And the neighbors and all of the evidence that we know we have, if someone picked that up with a fresh perspective, um, the GPR, um, 
you know, and I know, I don't know if the state police ever use psychics or not. They get the right one, they help. I don't care how you solve it. Use whatever source you got. I had to testify as a fed that I used Dorothy Allison on this, on this little girl. And I'm like, I, I didn't know what to say. And I was ordered to use her because I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> no. Parody, you're going to talk to her. Okay, sir. <laughs> um, I think that could probably take three or four months mm -hmm. at the most if somebody jumped right on it. Cold case people. I don't know if you got a cold case squad here or not. Yeah. Put them on it and say, go for it. You get these people in, grand jury them, and see what you get. What do you think is something that web sleuths can do in order to best contribute to the case? Well, good question. Well, I think you can continue to talk about it as you are. Mm -hmm. I think as a group, I would send a letter to the AG's office asking them if you can tell us anything more about the case, what's being done. I'm sure Fred does that every day. Yeah. And I would tell them that you talk to one of the original members who is an accident and crime scene expert, mm -hmm. and he would really like to take a look at the car. Mm -hmm. um, but I think as a group, it would be nice for the administrators, you know, you guys to send a letter saying, you know, here's our group. We've obviously had a lot of opinions and a lot of speculation. Is there anything that you can tell us about the case that you're willing to share now? Can you tell us what the status of your investigation is? They're going to say, yes, yeah, the cold case squad has it. You know, if there's anything, any help that we can provide. You know, when we did the searches, we know like, you know, there's probably six or seven of us, even with Ian. And um, we were like, son of a bitch. <laughs> That's a lot of work. No way us old guys are going to traverse just all this territory. So some guy, I got a bunch of guy, people from Boston College. Um, I had a couple, some college that I was teaching at a local college, some crime scene stuff. And I've got my people there. And we had volunteers. You know, the family had a ton of volunteers. So we had quite a few people. And it enabled us to, you know, give out assignments and people to work together and do a lot of, you know, stuff that we didn't have to do. So I would ask them that, ask them to help. There's somebody out there that's got a site going, GoFundMe site. Is that for the GPR? Actually, that is our next question. Um, I think the original intent of the GoFundMe was for GPR searches and um, whatever, if there was anything left over, would be used for reward money. And the next question actually is, what do you think donated finances would be what would make the biggest impact with donated finances um reward money the gpr that's interesting are you going to get inside her house with the gpr his old house what's the purpose of the gpr um i think that they're looking at four zeros yeah so i think the idea is a good idea but people see reward money they like that so th there had been from what i have read there had been a 75k reward yeah. and a 40k reward so do you think that offering reward money now, it's it's just a factor of time that people would be more encouraged to talk yeah. for money? You know, it's been a long time. Yeah. You know, obviously people all around the place will talk about it, so think about it. I think more time goes by usually means reward money is going to be better spent. Uh -huh. So now you have time. You clearly have a renewed interest in what's going on. I think it, it's a smarter sell than doing the GPR in the basement. Quite frankly, 
Um, that's one of the things I'm going to talk to John about. So I think I would go with that route. You know, GPR is good, but it's not always definitive as to really what you're finding. Right. It's just it's just locating anomalies. Yeah, that's all it does. Right. So you locate an anomaly under there. Okay, might be a pipe, might be garbage. I don't right. I don't know. It's something hard that the you know the radar hits, but the dog is evidence. Yeah. You know, that's what we're going to have. You know, there's people in there now. They've agreed to the GPR. Mm -hmm. To me, they would clearly agree to doing the dog. It's less intrusive. Not that the GPR is going to break anything, but the dog's going to get it as easily as the GPR. Right. The dog alerts, it's evidence. Now what do we do? And like you said, the, the adaptive dogs would be, they'd be able to get a hit from even under concrete. Oh, pff. I'm stunned some of the places that they have found people. So I think you get a lot more bang for your money with, let's even get the dogs there and uh, and then find anything or not. If the dogs don't hit, there's nothing there. Aaron, that wraps up my questions. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pretty much answered all the ones I had, like just by going through. I just have a few more. Um, do you recall if <clears throat> there were disagreements between the different investigators? I think sometimes there were disagreements about who should be interviewed, who should do it, and maybe how and when. So like tactical? Tac it's all theory. tactical kind of stuff. I mean, um, we had a couple, I think Frank was, I think he was a bail bonds agent or something. I know he was a private investigator and he was, he was very good. So, but we think about, cops think about prosecution. I have to bring this case to a prosecutor or a U.S. attorney and, you know, before I take somebody to jail. So private investigators have a whole hell of a lot more leeway in what you do and how you do it. It's basically how ethical you want to be. So John and I and Dave, you know, might think a little bit, well, we got to be a little careful, like jumping the fence and taking pictures of the car. Um, anything like that at all. Doing exams on the evidence that we found, you know, prior to giving it to the AG's office. Um, you know, stuff like that, that we might have differences of agreement. So tactically, we think about who needs to be interviewed now and how. Do we want to send two people? Do we want one? Do we want three? What do we want to do? You know, are we going to look this at as a possible hostile person so we you know make sure there's a couple people and both guys you know both people have guns how are we going to do this so there might have been disagreements about that um <clears throat> but in terms of overall, overall not, not really like there were any any like a few guys that were thinking that it was just something something completely different happened no that she's up in canada or yeah no i mean again everything we thought we talked you know about um I can't think of anybody that we had any really major, you know, divisiveness. Interesting. I think that you were involved sort of at the same time that Mr. Murray was suing. Yeah. Did that yeah. have an effect or? I think he did the right thing by suing. I think, you know, again, we all understand it's an open investigation, but there are certain things certainly that you can say. Um, That's interesting because I think John Healy had a, 
different view of that. Um, yeah. I don't really know what his... Yeah, I, I know John did think he should sue. And I'm like, I've been sued, you know, as a cop a number of times. As a supervisor, I don't think I've ever sued personally. I was a supervisor at a shift and one of my guys, you know, pounded somebody too hard or whatever. And everybody gets sued. The mayor, chief, me, whatever. I can understand where he's coming from. You know, he's a nice guy. His, you know, love of his life, whatever, is gone and probably murdered. And they're not being real cooperative with anybody. And at some point in time, you got to kind of open up the floodgates and say, okay, anything we can do, anything else we need to try. And I think there's a lot of things that they could have done at the time and things now that they could do and are not doing it. I, I know they're not doing it, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I know John was upset about that. And I said, hey, you know, whatever. He's a dad. Put some pressure on him. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think that was it. I think that covered all mine. I actually did have one more that I Sure. Yeah. If, if it wasn't force here, if it, we could somehow know or rule him out, what direction would you move in? That's a really good question. Um, Might not be a fair one. But. Well, I think it's fair. I, you know, you have to start at the beginning. You know, if you go down that road and I'm absolutely positive this person did it or or you have enough evidence maybe to arrest them, but you're not sure, you know, um, you go back to the beginning. The only thing I can tell both of you, if you're doing anything like this ever, you got to be totally open-minded. I mean, you never know where shit's going to, you know, you see some scumbag total jerk. Yeah, he's an undercover DEA, you know, um, whatever. And we did. We walked in that day and we did. We tossed around alien abduction. You know, we tossed around so many things because there was no evidence. There was just none of the stuff that we had that we'd already picked up on that were like, what the hell? How did this end for you guys? I mean. Well, that's a good question, too. It ended because. Everybody felt it was force here. We felt that we had some acknowledgement by the AG's office, you know, nod, nod, wink, wink, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, the only other thing we thought of doing was continuing with the cadaver dogs mm -hmm. and doing the house. And I I don't recall who was really running that. Yeah. Um, it just never really panned out. And we just kind of, it just kind of faded away. We kept in touch for quite a long, and we still keep in touch as a group, but I mean, we kind of felt we've reached a resolution. You know, we had some acknowledgement that we're all on the same page. What else are we going to do other than search the house? And if they can't search it, then we probably can't search it. Yeah. And we've talked about it. I've talked about it with pretty much, I don't have contact with Frank Kelly, but Dave Allen and John, we've kind of talked about, yeah, we never really had a good resolution. We should probably jump back on this and, we all felt we failed, in all honesty. So um, we'll see. I it's think a good time. it's a good time to kind of maybe rouse everybody up and say, hey, what do you think? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got to get the boys rallied around again. I think, yeah, I think she needs you. 